Welcome back to the live desk here at the North American Supply Chain Summit. I'm doing here with Michael Vincent. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, and we have a great guest right now we're bringing on. It's Gene Soroka. He's the executive director and chief logistics officer at the Port of Los Angeles. And if you've been following FreightWaves coverage or American shipper coverage, you know that there's been a lot of congestion at the ports, uh, but also yeah. record volume. So a challenging year, a bountiful year, a year of progress, and uh, a year of looking ahead to 2021 as well. Right now in the comments, too, leave your questions there. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Gene is open. This is an open Q&A. So we have some questions prepared for him, and you guys yep. can send yours in as well. But right now, let's welcome in the man of the hour. It's Gene Soroka. Thank you, Gene, for taking some time out of your very busy day and early morning over there in L.A. to join us. Dooner, Michael, good morning. <laughs> Although we asked you uh, during soundcheck if, if this was if this was uh, if this was um, early for you, and you said uh, you got to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've been uh, we've been very busy, like most in the logistics field this year. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you have. So, Port of LA, kind of an important cog in the uh, North American supply chain and world <laughs> supply chain. Um, Say so. And yeah, I would. I would think, right? <laughs> so, how has it been, Gene? Let's let's start this off. How how's the port been handling the uh, surge in uh, in in traffic? It's been a year of big swings, and, and the volume is just unprecedented. Uh, first half of the year, at one point, I think it was in May, we were down 19% year over year. In the second half, we're up about 50% each month, year over year. That's amazing. That is amazing. You know, and, and these are these are record-setting months. For example, in October, you set an all-time monthly record, which I think you may have beaten in November, but it was 980,729 TEUs. For those not familiar, that's 20-foot uh, equivalent unit containers mm -hmm. that you see on those box ships out there. And at the time, you noticed some, some ways you're working to mitigate some of this congestion. One of them was return signal for trucking. How does that work? Well, it's an effort in collaboration with the trucking community here in Southern California to let the drivers know what type of empty container, where and when it can be returned here to the port complex. That's been a big, uh, a big if in the entire supply chain equation thus far because of the alliances, the multiple terminals that we have here in the San Pedro Gateway. Where do you bring your empty back to and how can you manufacture those dual transactions by picking up a load after you drop off that box? So trying to give uh, the truckers a little bit better line of sight and it's our agile release cadence. We're putting out new IT products on a regular basis to see what we can do to help. Yeah, uh, the return signals is 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 very interesting to me in trying to get that uh, you know kind of almost a drop and hook, if you will, right? Bringing the empty in, where does it go most efficient back out? What other kind of tech and IT are you guys employing there to to help with the efficiency in in these surges? Well, it all started with our port optimizer, and this dates now uh, more than five and a half years when we witnessed the last big congestion point in the wintertime of 2014 and 15. And after a lot of collaboration with cabinet members, the Federal Maritime Commission and others, we all agreed that sharing information across the stakeholder groups was imperative. We did something about it and created the port optimizer, which began with a partnership with U.S. Customs to share information. 24 hours before the vessel leaves Asia. And that gave us a line of sight of about two weeks before a ship got into LA, better than the two days most were seeing at that time. Uh, 
Since then, we have also initiated the signal, which is an aggregation of all that data, giving our stakeholders three weeks advance notice as to what's coming in. So think about the Western Railroads, our short line, the Pacific Harbor line the chassis providers, the truckers in the community, so they can gear up with their assets and staffing as appropriate. Wow. You know, when we had when we had you on at our global trade tech summit, you uh, you had mentioned the cybersecurity concerns with all this new tech. There was some astounding figure, right, about the number of cyber attacks, maybe nine million or it was it was a crazy number. Can you reiterate that point to us a little bit about what the how you secure the infrastructure, the technological infrastructure of the Port of L.A.? Cyber intrusion attempts have doubled since the beginning of COVID-19. We're now averaging on a monthly basis more than 42 to 44 million intrusion attempts per month. Not one has gotten through. So that led us to the next step. We started the Cybersecurity Operations Center here at the Port of Los Angeles, the first in the nation back in September of 2014. And as we've watched the threatscape change over time, we introduced, again, the nation's first ever Cyber Resilience Center, which is an effort to bring the port cybersecurity operation into play with the private sector supply chain partners that we have. All done under a condition of anonymity, so we're not pointing out people with times of weakness, but rather trying to make the port's digital infrastructure stronger. Interesting, interesting. So we, we hear about, uh, and we were joking about this a little bit during Soundcheck as well, the uh, uh, ships at anchor waiting to get in. Um, what, what's happening? I mean, aside from the obvious, how do, how do you resolve this and how do you work through that issue? Yeah, today you've got 15 vessels in port, and on a regular day during what we used to consider normal times, you would have about 10 to 12 ships in the port of Los Angeles working every day. Uh, Outside at anchor today for the San Pedro Bay, both uh, Long Beach and Los Angeles, we have 23 container vessels, and 14 of those are destined for L.A. On average, 85% of the ships now coming to our port are sitting at anchor for about two and a half days. But this has been a year of swings and unprecedented times. The American consumer, you and me, are buying products differently. We're not spending money on services, going to ball games or movies. We're buying things online, going to our big box retailers, and this is just a deluge of import freight that we're witnessing. And at a time where trade tensions continue, it's one-way trade. Mm. It, you you mentioned it, Michael Michael Vincent. Port of LA is such a huge cog in the wheel in the system. It's it's the holiday season, and this is a year where, you know, all all networks of freight have been strained. I was reading an an article, and this is a question that we got in, which was talking about there's nearly 270 containers, according to this article, 58 in LA, 210 in Long Beach, filled with 75 million dollars worth of toys. This is from Isaac Larry, CEO and founder of MGA Entertainment. He says they don't know if they're going to get their containers unloaded by Christmas. So how, when you have all these containers that anchor, you mentioned it takes about two and a half days to unload them, um, to, to get them over to there. How long does it take to unload them and how do we undo, how do we untangle this log jam? 
Well, there's a lot there. And I reached out to Isaac about a week and a half ago after reading an article in a, uh, in a daily newspaper that said he was in a real bind. And like a lot of the toy importers, they live for about a four-week season every year. So in getting with Isaac and his staff, we outlined some 43 containers that were destined for the Port of Los Angeles. And our guys, Chris Chase, Eric Karras, and so many others jumped on the initiative quickly. With the use of our port optimizer, being able to pinpoint exactly where those containers were, as of last night, 40 of the 43 are out the gate and on their way to customers. Two are still on ships awaiting to be berthed, and one is on a marine terminal that should move out momentarily. So we jumped into action. But again, this shows you that most of our holiday goods traditionally arrive by the end of October, maybe first week November, again, in a, a semi-normal year. This year, because everyone is buying so much, the purchase orders are stacked up. The manufacturers are behind pace. There's only so much space on ships. Containers of the empty variety get back with a certain speed. And then when ships come in here, it's, it's just an amazing view right now to see all of this cargo. Again, we're up 50% compared to the average of the first half of this year. We talked about it early on that there would be about three swings to the pendulum because the supply chain was so uneven. And this has a ripple effect all the way to the store level or what we're buying online. Excellent. Uh, so, Gene, with the uh, vaccine being rolled out to, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've seen that start this weekend and the first people starting to get these vaccines. How will that uh, uh, vaccine be rolled out to the port workers? Do you have information on that? Yeah, we have uh, put on a very large uh, discussion among our stakeholders to prioritize our port workers, and, and in particular, the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, truck drivers, the folks who are running these marine terminals every day. In fact, the port led an effort along with the Pacific Maritime Association and the ILWU after discussions at a very high level to pen a letter to all three governors of the West Coast, state of Washington, Oregon, and California, to help prioritize, not just on the vaccine distribution and getting shots in the arm, but also on COVID-19 testing and the protocol that needs to take place on the ground every single day as we're seeing spikes not only across the nation, but right here in Los Angeles County. I have to ask, when, when your workers, when the workers at the port, they see these 15 boats at anchor, they see more and more coming in, and, and it just it starts to seem unwieldy and unmanageable. Does that have any impact on worker morale? Um, how does that go over there? Well, I can tell you that number one applause meter goes to the ILWU. On average, the three locals, 13, 63, and 94, here in Southern California, are working on average more than five days per week for each rank and file member. They have answered the bell and been on the docks every day since the emergency orders went out here in the state of California and the county of Los Angeles back in the month of March. But it's work. And at a time when 10 million Americans are still receiving some assistance or benefit because they're out of jobs, our folks have been on the job every day. And they take great pride in trying to help fuel America's economic recovery through the nation's largest gateway.
So, uh, Gene, you, you mentioned before a uh, all those ships out there, and we've got basically one way trade with the trade wars, et cetera. We have a we have a question from N Coverdale at Trailer Bridge that says, "Can you please comment on how the container imbalances throughout the international supply chain have had downstream uh, impacts, if any, and how are you responding?" Yeah, big impacts. And again, this really dates back to the shocks that were put into the supply chain based on the trade tensions and the tariff implementation all the way back to March of 2018. And while here in the fourth quarter of 2020, the growth numbers look cartoonish or like moonshots, it's because last fourth quarter in 2019, we hit a cliff. And because of what happened then, a 16% drop in cargo flow over the port of Los Angeles because folks had either advanced import inventories or they were on the cusp of really seeing the damage to the U.S. exporter is where we sit today. In fact, when I announce our numbers later this morning, Pacific time for the month of November, I will share that we have lost exports and declined in that segment 23 out of the last 25 months. So it's had a ripple effect across the supply chain. Most east-west trade gateways and the port directors I speak with are also seeing this. More consumer buying. They're not out buying services, rather tangible goods, heavy on the imports. Here in particular, because of the trade policy, our exports have dwindled and we're empty repoing or empty repositioning containers back to China mainly and to Asia broadly as fast as we can as an industry to get ready for the next round of imports. That also has a negative impact on the U.S. exporter. You know, it's not exclusive to the port of L.A. that there's that there's this congestion. I was also just reading about Ikea having issues over in England, getting containers unloaded again. People trying to get all this holiday furniture, especially in a year where where that kind of freight's big demand. People working from home offices at a certain point. Is it just a physical limitation of space that the ports suffer from? And, And is there how do you create efficiencies there where you can't expand that finite resource? I used the analogy earlier this week. It's like stuffing 10 pounds of potatoes into a five-pound sack all at one time. Yes, there are ways we can improve. Tactically on the ground, we've offered up additional land to give our terminal operators maneuverability, not to create parking lots. We'd like to move the chassis off the marine terminals and give them back 50 to 80 acres of space, and that must be done. The work on incentives, monetary incentives to reduce turn times and incent dual transactions for these truckers or that round trip economics that we talked about at the top of the segment, all very important. Longer term, it's about information sharing. And I implored upon our retail community, take a look at what it would mean if we could get the demand signals from the time a purchase order is released from that retailer's merchandise section. That would give us about a three-month lead time even before the cargo got on a vessel coming to LA to plant. And if it means further training to upskill and reskill our longshore members to get in in those big hammerhead cranes or on the CY operations, if it means flexing the chassis pool, we don't do a real good job at scaling in our industry. The land that we have here, 7,500 acres, 43 miles of waterway, does look appropriate. We've got a do a better job with pre-planning and pre-positioning of both assets and staffing.
Excellent stuff, uh, Gene. So, you know, speaking to different people in the industry, looking uh, out into Q1 of 2021, uh, a lot of people are are are, are very uh, optimistic in in the sense that uh, the pressure and the uh, uh, uptick in imports is going to last through Chinese New Year and into and into Q2. What are you looking at there in in the port of LA? Are you seeing the same things? Well, later this morning, we'll announce 890,000 TEUs for the month of November, one of our best Novembers ever coming off that 980,000 that you mentioned in October. Uh, my estimate for the month of December is 875,000 TEUs. So while we see a little bit of a decline, it's not enough to catch our breath and kind of work out of the backlog. Leading up to Lunar New Year, we'll see landings through the first week of March here in LA continue to be strong. Then we'll probably see that post-Lunar New Year dip just a little bit, maybe not as exaggerated as we've witnessed in years past. Gene, the Electoral College made Biden's win official yesterday. Uh, What do you see changing with a new administration? Is it going to be a positive for the port? Is it going to be a negative uh, or just baseline? What, What do you think will happen? Uh, There's only upside in our future. I think that we'll have a seat at the table. We'll be able to bring policy matters and those of importance to our stakeholders directly to decision makers, both elected and appointed. Very similar to the relationships that we had and developed during the the Obama administration with Vice President Biden, I see that carrying over to this next administration. But there's a lot of work to do. There are many people, many millions of people that we have to get back on the job. We've called for a national export plan in part to help that with our agriculture, manufacturing and automotive communities to begin with. And then we'll do more after that. But having discussions around how we invest in our nation's infrastructure, front of mind to us and what we do for the greater good of the U.S. economy, investing federal dollars where it has the largest economic impact nationally will be all part of those initial conversations. You know, a lot of strategy here, right, in the import supply chain is just in time. And it's sounding like you don't necessarily have to abandon just in time, but you may have to extend those windows a little bit with just the nature of how shipments are coming in. Does that seem like an an evolution of strategy that a lot of shippers are going to have to consider in 2021? Yeah, everyone's going to have to flex to an extent, go back, look at their supply chains, sourcing capabilities, and their go-to-market strategies. About 25% of our imports, again, during normal times, are parts, components, and peripherals for the U.S. manufacturing community. We've got to get back to precision supply chain for those folks. And in reality, I've been involved in, in my career covering seven different economic impacts globally, nationally, and to our industry. We've never come out of them looking like we did when we went in. Part of that has got to be the reinvention of what we do in supply chain. Digital technology will be key. An additional focus on U.S. exports. I wouldn't say to balance trade, but to help to better balance. And getting ourselves back to the table with our international allies to help develop that global supply chain and rules-based trade requirements that we've been missing for some time. Good stuff and tremendous insights, Gene. Uh, Question from Mike M. How do you contact Gene Soroka directly? Yeah, or someone who can help. Or someone who can help you there at at the port. How do they get in touch with you guys? Sure. Uh, Number one, send an email to askgene at portla.org, A-S-K-G-E-N-E at 
P-O-R-T-L-A dot O-R-G. And from there, we've got key staff that'll fan it out to the subject matter experts and make sure whether it's the triage situation we find ourselves in now to get that one container that needs to be on the store shelves or help prevent an automotive line from shutting down. Our team is working around the clock to help just those importers and exporters who need the assistance. Gene, thank you so much for your time today. Have a very happy holidays. We appreciate you having you here at the North American Supply Chain Summit. Take care.